to the names of two or three men on the outskirts, and Hamilton could see them wincing as this 14-year-old lad named them, then he commenced a speech, which seemed, so far as Hamilton could tell to be ridiculing them for their fears, the crowd relaxed, and for a moment Hamilton thought the whole trouble was over, but suddenly a man sprang to the front of the riders, and gesticulating wildly, answered the boy in what seemed to be a threatening tone, the young Italian lad heard him through patiently, then almost without raising his voice, uttered one crisp sentence, the man turned white to the lips and slunk away, ask him, said Hamilton to a policeman, what he said, I only asked him, the Italian said, if he wanted me to find out his name so that you would know it if you wanted to arrest him of course, he added, as an afterthought, the policeman looked at him and pulled the boy's ear, in fun, baby I knew as much about some things as you do, he said, they'd make me chief, maybe, though, he added, I wouldn't hold it long, but what about this, Caesar, is it all over, the Italian nodded, see, he said, they all go, it was as the boy said, Hamilton could see that little by little the crowd was dispersing and that the members of the boyish gang were going all through the groups, evidently explaining that the trouble was all over, ye see what we're up against, the policeman said to Hamilton, here's a slip of a lad that's in just make a crowd do what he says because his father is a leader in the mafia, there's never anyone gives credit enough to the force for keeping peace, between all these foreigners and the chinks, this ain't an American city, it's a racial nightmare. Do the Chinese give much trouble? Then, not such a great deal usually, but they do once in a while. There's bloody murder in Chinatown going on now, or going to begin mighty soon. Three were killed yesterday and the word was given out at headquarters this morning that the Tongs were out. Illustration, the fighting men of the Tongs, the younger combatants of the five brothers outside the impregnably guarded headquarters in Chinatown, New York. Have we Tongs in New York? asked Hamilton, I've heard all about the troubles in the West, before the fire in San Francisco, I know, there were fifteen organized tongs of high binders, each with its paid band of hatchet men for no other purpose than to rule Chinatown, the man who got up the report for the government told me that Frisco Chinatown was far more under tong rule and had far more crimes in proportion than any city in China, there are six strong tongs in New York that I know about, the policeman answered, and I guess there are a lot more, but I reckon it's the same in Frisco as it is here, they keep their killings to themselves, and they don't let any white men get mixed up in it at all, that's why you never can tell anything about it, but right now Chinatown is pretty dangerous, and all the sightseeing business there has been shut off, no one is going into Mott and Pell Streets now, Pell Street, exclaimed the boy, is that in Chinatown, right in the heart of it, was the reply, why, because I'm headed there now, Hamilton answered, taking from his pocket the schedule he had been given by Burns to check up, and showing it to the officer, that's Chinatown all right, the policeman said, just look at the names, I hadn't looked at it closely, the boy remarked, why, yes, so it island well, Tom or no Tom, I suppose I've got to chance it, if those are orders, the policeman shook his head, looks to me as though you'd have to wait a while, take some other district first and come back next week, can't, the boy answered, the census inspector and I have to go to Frisco to straighten out a Chinese tangle over the census there, the Chinese refused point blank to have anything to do with the census, and there was a heap of trouble, what was it, asked the policeman, 
walking along beside Hamilton in the direction of Chinatown, his beat extending to the limits of that section, when the rule for the census was issued, so they told me in Washington, Hamilton answered, in order to make sure that the Chinese would not place any obstacles in the way. Not only was a copy of the President's proclamation in Chinese pasted all over the walls of the city, but, in addition a decree was made by the Chinese Consul General that it was the wish of the Chinese government that the population in the city be properly numbered. That was a good idea, said the policeman approvingly. It would have been, said Hamilton, if the Chinese had paid any attention to it. Instead of that, some of the tongs got together and had a brief threat printed and pasted across the face of the President's proclamation, as well as that of the Consul, that no Chinaman was to give any information to a census officer, unless he wanted to come under the displeasure of the tongs, the nerve of them. At this, continued the boy, the Consul put out a second order, sharper than the first, not only commanding obedience, but pointing out that refusal would lay the person refusing open to fine or imprisonment. Over these second orders again was pasted the former threat of the tongs. A few days later the enumerators, each accompanied by a policeman, went through Chinatown. The Chinese wouldn't understand any language, not even their own. They didn't refuse to give information. They simply answered, no understand when any question was asked. Translation of the proclamation whereas, the director of the Census Bureau of the Department of Commerce and Labor of the United States, in a letter to His Excellency Chang, His Imperial Chinese Majesty's Envoy Extraordinary and Minister Plenipotentiary, requests that, since it has been the custom of the United States to take a census of the population once in every ten years, many of which have been taken and are on record, and since the present year is the time for taking another such census, which is to include the people of every nationality residing within the territory of the United States, and as the Chinese residents of this country, through possible ignorance of the English language, may mistake the object of the enumerators to be that of ascertaining what the people possess and its value, in order to impose taxes, or that of investigating the certificates of registration, etc. A proclamation be issued fully explaining the matter to the Chinese people, and whereas, instructions have been received from His Excellency to the effect that, the taking of a census being merely to ascertain the population of the country, and having no connection in any way with the imposing of taxes or the examination of certificates by the customs authorities of the Treasury Department, and for fear that our countrymen may not understand the purpose and make trouble through a mistaken notion of the whole proceeding, the Consul General at San Francisco and the Consul at New York shall publish and make known to all Chinese residing in every part of the United States that it is the custom of the United States to take a census at stated intervals that this proceeding has no connection with the laying of taxes or the examination of certificates of residence, that our countrymen have no cause for suspicion or alarm, but, as soon as the enumerators present themselves, they should answer the questions put to them without evasion or reservation, in order not to incur the penalty of the law, now, therefore, we, Li Yu, His Imperial Chinese Majesty's Consul General at the Port of San Francisco, and Yang Yuying, his Imperial Chinese Majesty's Consul at the Port of New York, in pursuance of instructions as aforesaid, do hereby publish and make known that inasmuch as it is the custom of the United States to take a census of the population thereof once in every ten years, and as this proceeding has no connection whatever with the laying of taxes or the examination of certificates of residence, 
and as all persons irrespective of nationality are to be enumerated under the provisions of the law, our countrymen should not be alarmed or cherish any suspicion, but, as soon as the proper officers of the Census Bureau present themselves with this consular proclamation, should answer all the questions put to them without evasion or reservation, in order not to incur the penalty of the law. A list of the questions to be answered is hereby appended for the information of all concerned. Population Schedule 32 questions. Agriculture Schedule 59 questions. Dated Suan Tung. Second year. First moon February. 1910. And sealed with our respective seals of office. 13th Census of the United States Chinese Consular Proclamation See translation above. What was finally done? The policeman queried. The Consul General had to ask the five companies to back up the census order, and they did. The fifth layer of paper was put on the billboards, and the five companies, without beating around the bush, just ordered the Chinese to do as they were told. I've always heard that the five companies were stronger on the Pacific coast than they are here. I wonder why? I asked that very question, Hamilton said. And the man who told me all about this explained that it was because they controlled the Chinese slave traffic to America. Tis like enough. The policeman agreed. And of course the most of that would be on the other slope. But there's enough of it here. Just the same. And half the trouble between the tongs is because of it. That was what started the trouble in Oakland between the Hopsings and the Bengons. Hamilton said. And there were eight men killed in that. It began over the possession of a slave girl who had been given as security for debt. But they never caught anyone for that. Illustration, arrested as the firing stops. Watching the close of a shooting affray, the principals trying to escape the police. You can't ever catch a Chinaman, the policeman said. I've arrested a dozen myself but it never did any good. Look at Boston it was open talk that there were two regular executioners under Tom Law. But the chinks got out of it by telling the judge that there never had been any executions and that it was merely an ancient title. There have been cases in New York, too. The boy said, that they haven't found out yet. It doesn't matter what the case is you can never prove it on them. Look at that young girl, a missionary, who was killed. And that's only one of dozens. And they can shoot, and shoot straight, too. He added, look at the shooting galleries. The two were walking down the Bowery. They've been kept going for years by the practice of the Tom Marksman. You'd never think it. But some of those high binders could make our crack shots do their best to keep an even score. Well, he broke off. Here we are at Mott Street. Bob, he called to the policeman across the street. Here's a young fellow wants to go into Chinatown. Sorry, sir, said the other. A great big burly fellow, coming forward to meet them. But orders are strict. No one going in at all. Unless on business, it is on business, officer, said Hamilton. I'm a census agent and the inspector told me to check up some names on this schedule. The policeman took it and looked it over. I think those are all right, sir, he said. I know most of them by name, but that's one of those underground places and we don't any of us go down there any more than we have to. Of course when we have to go why, that's another matter, I think, sir, you can take it those names are about all right. I don't feel that I could make a report like that. Hamilton answered. I was sent to check it up personally. And don't you think I'd better do it? There's a chap there. He added. Pointing to a young fellow standing a few yards up the street. He doesn't look Chinese. He's a reporter. Sir. The policeman said. And he's like us. 
It's part of his business to take chances. Mine, too, said Hamilton. Only he represents a newspaper and I'm here for the government. The policeman scratched his chin in perplexity. Do you wait here, he said, and I'll call up the station. He came back in a minute or two. The lieutenant says it'll be all right, he said. I told him that I hadn't seen any sign of trouble not that that means anything, he added. But if you wait a minute the other man will be up this way, he's patrolling the streets and you can go along with him. How many of you are there here? Asked the boy. Generally half a dozen in these two or three streets, the policeman answered. But I guess right now there's twice that number. Just as he had expected, another policeman appeared shortly, and Hamilton was passed on to him. His conductor was taciturn, and the boy was glad when the reporter joined them. In reply to a question, Hamilton told his purpose, and the reporter, sending a story, volunteered to accompany them. The boy was willing enough especially as he found the reporter had the Chinese district as his regular assignment and was well known in Chinatown. The address given, as the first policeman had said, was nearly that painted over a stairway. I guess we go down here, Hamilton said. The policeman answered not a word. He simply pushed past the boy and went down first, Hamilton followed, and the reporter came next. At the bottom of the stair the policeman rapped on a door with his nightstick, a good loud rap. It was opened, and he strode in followed by the two boys. A few questions from Hamilton verified one or two items of information, but details about the rest of the house were not forthcoming. In answer to questions the Chinaman simply pointed to the ground. Next floor down, I reckon, the reporter said. But we're in the cellar now, objected Hamilton. The reporter laughed. We build above ground, the Chinese below, he said. Lots of these houses have five stories underground, and nearly all have either two or three. A Chinaman doesn't care about fresh air at all, and he won't waste money in fuel when he can keep warm in an underground burrow. Come on, I guess we'll go down some more. The policeman still leading the way. Three of them went down a rickety stair, not much better than a ladder, and found themselves in a sort of storehouse. They don't keep things to eat here, exclaimed Hamilton scarcely able to breathe the foul air and the exhalations from decaying foodstuffs. Sure, the reporter answered. Cheerful, isn't it? Hamilton gave a little shiver of repugnance, but taking out his schedule, asked the underground storekeeper all the personal questions on it. Then, realizing that he would be able to know about his customers, the lad quickly made enough inquiries to assure him that there was no fault to find with the work, and started for the upper air. Just as they passed out of the stairway, the policeman, who was the last, still being on the steps, Hamilton heard a shot, and a bullet came whizzing by his head. It was answered by a fusillade of shots. The boy's first instinct was to duck back under the cover of the staircase from which he had just come out. But the policeman, as he left it, roughly gave him a push, as much as to say, keep out of there, and started on a dead run for the group where the firing was going on. That's the hip sinks, the reporter said, pulling Hamilton into the shadow of a doorway. The Ang Leongs have been waiting for them, ever since that affair in the theater. What was that? Asked Hamilton, although more interested in the immediate excitement than the story. Time of the Chinese New Year, the reporter answered in short, crisp sentences. There was a gala performance in the theater with suppers and banquets before and after. Everybody brought firecrackers to the theater and at a certain time all the firecrackers were set off. 
When the noise stopped 18 men were found shot dead. All members of the Anliantong, the Hipsing men were blamed for it. But none ever caught. What's up now? Cried Hamilton, in alarm, as he spoke to men dashed out of a building nearby, and fired at the group beyond. The others turned and made a rush. The two newcomers cut across the street, thus for a moment diverting the line of fire which had been perilously close to where the two boys were standing. This is too hot for me, said the reporter. We'd better get out of here as fast as we know how. We'll go to the end of this street and turn to the right. Are you ready? Come along. Out from the doorway like a couple of frightened hares the two lads bolted, pursued by a few shots which, they flew so far over their heads, Hamilton surmised were intended as a warning to keep out of the way rather than as attempts to shoot them. In the few seconds that had elapsed it seemed that the streets had become full of running policemen, and Hamilton looked back, as he did so. He saw one of the men in the nearest group stagger sideways and stand for an instant alone in the center of the street. There was the sharp bark of a sawed-off revolver, and the wounded man just reached the shelter of the doorway as the bullet sang over the spot on which he had stood a second before. The sight unnerved Hamilton. He clutched the reporter's arm. Chinese, camerists, sweatshop workers, and Negroes, he cried, a hysterical note in his voice. Are there no Americans in an American city? The reporter grasped his shoulder and pointed to where, a block or two away, the towering framework of a titanic building pierced the sunlit air, far above the sordid savagery of the human red holes nearby, guiding monster beams into place, sure set upon the friliest foothold, forms of men, made tiny by the distance, were silhouetted against the sky, the post of honor is the post of danger, he said, it is in work like that, where skill is linked to daring where brain is joined to nerve, that the Yankee stands, if you want to see the American in America, don't look down, look up, illustration, work for Americans, where skill and nerve and endurance are required is where the true American is found, copyright by Brown Brothers, the end.